chapter two. Uh, like Brandon mentioned, if you haven't been with us the past couple of weeks, um, we have been in the midst of our Advent series. Um, here's the thing about the, the Christmas season or the Advent season, if you are a follower of Jesus. This season is marked by waiting. It's, it's marked by this anticipation. It's marked by this, this longing for not only Jesus to come in this story that we're about to read, but for Jesus to come again, for Jesus to come that second and permanent, permanent time. And so this first week, if you weren't with us, we looked at this idea of hope, this different, this just different kind of hope that we have in Jesus. If you weren't with us the second week, Zach last week, man, just so brilliantly took us into the story. And he said, hey, if this hope is not rooted in the love of Christ, the hope doesn't make any sense. And this week, we're gonna look at peace and joy. Peace and joy that come with a life in Christ, that come with a life in Jesus. So this morning, we're gonna look at, at the moment when all of heaven and all of earth held its breath. That moment you've maybe read a number of times or maybe a lot of times this Christmas season. That moment when, when peace and joy literally took his first breath. When peace and joy took that moment where he cried for the first time in this manger. This moment when heaven touched earth in the form of a baby. That is where we find ourselves this morning. Luke chapter two, let's read it together, starting in verse one. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Verse five, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, that's just more angels coming into the picture here. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. 
But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Last verse, verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I don't know if you've ever been to a live music uh, event. You know, we happen to be in a place that hosts a lot of live music events. Um, But if you've ever sat in different seats uh, going to a, a concert of some kind, it really changes the perspective in which you see that concert. So for instance, if you're front row at a concert, you're gonna see the concert very differently. As opposed to say you're up in the VIP lounge over there, if you didn't know, that's the VIP lounge. I think Tito sponsors it. So if you ever come to a show here, the VIP lounge is over there. Or if you're standing in the back, like it's, it's a very, very different perspective. And what I love about the gospels is they just give us different perspectives on different, different things that the gospels tell us about. And so here we have the Christmas story and Luke tells this story from a very unique perspective. And I think the perspective in which he tells the story, the characters in which he includes in the story aren't just by happenstance, aren't just by chance. I think there's a purpose and a reason he's telling the story the way he is and he's including the characters in which he's including. And so I want us to look at uh, this story. I want us to unpack this story. I want us to kind of dive into this story, but I want to kind of center this story around three, three movements. I think important movements that that Luke shows us and points out. The first one is gonna be the significance of the shepherds. The significance of the shepherds. If you're taking notes, this will be something you write down. The second one is gonna be the angel's proclamation. We're gonna take a look at the angel's proclamation. And third movement, we're gonna end by looking at our declaration in light of those two things. So first, let's take a look at the significance of the shepherds. This is something that really jumped out at me this week. Um, I never really thought a whole lot about it before. So I don't know if you realize this and what we just read, a large majority of the conversation was between angels and and some no-name shepherds. Shepherds that we actually don't even know the names. Have you ever thought about that? As you've read this story, these shepherds that just are in a field nearby, that's, that's all we really know about them. It got me thinking this week. Okay, if the Messiah, if the Savior, if the King of Kings, if the Lord of Lords, if God himself enters into the world in the most vulnerable way possible, if, if God himself enters into the world in a way that, is almost unfathomable for us to grasp. Of course, God would choose some no-name shepherds to be the very first one that he tells the news to. See, the the circumstances of Jesus's birth story are important for us to, to see and grasp and understand. You see, and Zach just took us into the story last week. See, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't tidy, it wasn't neat. It definitely wasn't this this perfect, perfect picture. You see, the story continues and Mary and Joseph, they're relegated to the place that animals were kept when people would come through town. So typically there was a place above 
that people would stay and there was a place below that the animals would stay. And this is probably where Mary and Joseph found themselves in the midst of the animals. You see, our Savior did not come into the world on this gold chariot with flames as angels were shouting the news to the entire world. No, the Messiah, the Savior, he came into the world in the form of a baby. He came into the world in the most vulnerable way possible. A Savior that would experience life just, just like we experience life, from birth to death. So here we are in this moment, and God chooses to send the birth announcement of his son to a bunch of shepherds. And I'm not sure what you imagine when you think of shepherds. If you're anything like me, you may be pictured like, the nativity scene, because in my mind, like shepherding was this, this noble profession. Shepherding was this noble thing uh, that, that would have been something people admired or looked up to. The reality was that when we come to the turn of the first century here in this story, shepherding was actually quite the opposite. It was no longer this noble profession that we know about with King David. It was, it was the lowest of the low. Shepherds were considered the least of these. In fact, people considered them just a little bit above, above lepers. You actually can go back and read the words of the rabbis and the ways that they would talk about shepherds. I read something this week. It said, no help is to be given to any heathen or shepherds. That's what's included. Now, I, I, I wanna continue just so we really understand the significance of this. The shepherds were actually considered ceremonially unclean. So you're talking about people who couldn't actually even attend any sort of religious service. The shepherds weren't even allowed to walk through the doors of a church. They were isolated, they were forgotten. Because they had to go wherever fresh water was, they would typically find themselves never very long in the same place. They were treated with contempt and mistrust, so much in the fact that shepherds were not even allowed to testify in court. They were known to be brash and bold. Living out in the fields away from society really made them unappealing to the, to the average person at that time. So the most important moment in human history, and this, this is who God chooses to tell first. So some of you probably follow the, the royal family in the UK. You're one of those crazy people who got up at like 4 a.m., right, to, to watch the royal wedding. I'd ask you to raise your hand, but I won't embarrass you. You're probably proud of it, though, if, if that's you. Let's be real. Some of you know more about the royal family than you do your own family. Well, if you didn't know this, uh, Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle are expecting a child in April, and now imagine this with me. You know, the baby's born in April and the first people to find out is some no-name blue-collar worker in the city of London. The first person to find out. And this blue-collar worker in London then takes it upon themselves to call the rest of the royal family, tell the rest of the city of London, tell the rest of the world. 
Like that's, that's what's happening here. God entrusted the greatest message ever sent from heaven to a bunch of outcast shepherds. And here's the beauty of our God and how he works. This isn't that unusual. God has always worked wonders for the forgotten, for the despised, for the lowly. From the very beginning of Jesus's time here on earth, it was Jesus who befriended sinners. It was Jesus who drew near to those like Zacchaeus. It was the prostitutes and the demon-possessed that Jesus considered friend. Strangers, Samaritans. Jesus did in his ministry what the father chose to do in a borrowed stable in Bethlehem. The only announcement of Christ's birth goes to a bunch of uneducated outcasts. The Lord comes to the lowly. He comes to the most undeserving, to the neglected, to the marginalized, in order to show his power. See, the shepherds are significantly insignificant. The shepherds help us to see that God has a message for sinners like us, that God has a message for the lowly like us, the fact that everyone, and I really mean everyone, matters to God, even those who are considered the least of these, maybe especially those who are considered the least of these. But we don't just see the, this message and the significance of the shepherds. And we see this in the angel's proclamation as well. The story contends, continues to unfold. Verse 14, go back to that. We're really gonna hone in on peace here. Glory to God in the highest of heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I think, honestly, every single one of us in this room can get on board with this idea of peace and joy. Like who, who doesn't want your life to be overflowing with the peace of God, right? That's not a question. But what I found in just my reflection this week is I so often, and I don't know if your story resembles this, maybe it resonates with you, but so often I seek after people and things and places that will so often end. It's this temporal place of peace and joy. It's a place that never really, never really lasts. I've been there, I'll probably be there again. I don't know if you can relate and have been there before. Seeking after that peace, seeking after that joy. And the peace that the angels proclaim here in this story is the peace that is pure and is lasting. So when Jesus was born as a child, when Jesus was born as a baby, he was born to bring this peace. That's what the angels are saying here. But what is it? Like, what is this peace? What does this text mean when the writer Luke is going to report to us what the angels said? What, what, is, what is this peace? Now, 
Zach last week, he said something really beautiful and really powerful. And I think it's helpful in us understanding what this piece is. He said that the manger ultimately lies in the shadow of the cross. You see, peace began budding with the birth of Christ. But it took his death and his resurrection for it to fully come. This same word, peace, that's seen here in Luke is actually used 92 different times, a lot of those in the New Testament. And I kept being drawn back to uh, the fifth chapter in Romans this week. The same word, peace, that's used in, in Luke is actually used in Romans 5. And you may or may not have read this before, but I want us to read it this morning because I think it's gonna help us grasp the depth of the peace that Luke's talking about here. So read this with me. Romans chapter five, he's gonna throw it up on the screen. Ah. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The manger ultimately lies in the shadow of the cross. You see, sin is this thing that separates us from God. It creates this gap, it creates this void. And God, through the story we just read, sent Jesus to bridge the gap, sent Jesus to fill the void so that we can, by faith, stand on the grace we have in Jesus to spend both now and eternity in his presence. You see, this is, this is the reality of, of the story that we're in right now that God would love us so much that he would send his only son, right? The reality that God would do something so grand, so outrageous, simply so that we could be in his presence both now and forever. The, the peace that the angels proclaim is this peace between humanity and God. And praise God that he made a way for us to have peace with him through Jesus. You see, it's all through Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's because of Jesus. He saved us. He saved us from the guilt and the penalty of sin. And the angels knew that the birth of God's son was the beginning of the greatest redemption story ever to be lived out. And at the cross, Jesus took his sin upon himself. And Jesus, he now imparts in us this life that he came to live and die for. 
He sanctifies us. He sets us apart for the world to be able to see him. See, we're no longer captive to sin. We're no longer weighted under the burden of sin. We are no longer kept in the bondage of sin. Jesus has set us free. He has given us peace, the ultimate peace. Jesus Jesus has broken the power of sin in our lives, given us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and empower us to live our lives for him. Oh, what a peace that is. And maybe this can best be summed up by the the Christmas hymn that we actually sang, the very first song. It says, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. I won't sing it for you. (laughs) And I actually turn our attention back to the shepherds. I think we can learn a lot from them about, about our declaration if you are a follower of Jesus, which is kind of our third and final movement here. You know, we've looked at the significance of the shepherds, or maybe the significance of their insignificance. We've looked at the angel's proclamation, this proclamation of peace. Now to wrap up our time, we're we're gonna look at our declaration. And in many ways, we're just gonna follow the lead of the joyful shepherds that we looked at. And here's what I want us to notice. They went and they saw, they left and they shared. They went and saw, they left and shared. The first thing, they went and saw. The very first thing they did is they went to Bethlehem. They wanted to see the baby for their very selves, with their very own eyes. And check out this irony here. Unclean shepherds going to a smelly stable to find the holy of holies, lying on hay. You see, hearing about God wasn't the end goal. This isn't where the story ends. The angel doesn't come to the shepherds and they're like, that's amazing. This is literally the best news you could ever ever share with me. And then right back on to shepherding and watching over the flock. That's not what happens, is it? Immediately they went and saw. They wanted to know God. They wanted to see God. They wanted to experience God for themselves. But this isn't where the story ends. It says that they left and they shared. You know, they don't pull up this bale of hay and say, man, I'm just gonna make myself comfortable right here. They didn't hang around the manger any longer because they knew God had made them managers of the message. Notice that the message that they shared didn't even include the angels seeing the heavenly hosts. It didn't include the magnificence of, of Mary or Joseph. The message that they shared was what they saw in Jesus. It says, when they had seen him, when they saw him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And the word spread here literally just means to make known in such a way that people can understand. That's what this word means. We are here today because a few lowly shepherds could not keep themselves quiet about the news of Jesus. The question I've been asking this week and the question I wanna ask you this morning is who will be here next year? 
Who will be sitting beside you because you couldn't keep quiet about Jesus this Christmas season? And I'm just thinking this morning, okay, if a few no-name shepherds are the reason that we're sitting here this morning, what could happen in the city of Nashville if a few no-name Christians, if a few lowly no-name Christians like me or you were consumed by, were enthralled by, if we saw, if we experienced the message of this Christmas season, if we saw and experienced the love and the peace of Christ, so much so that we couldn't contain it. Who would be sitting here next year because you couldn't be quiet about Jesus this Christmas season? And something we do each and every week is we go and and we sit around the table, not literally, figuratively. We go to the table and we sit around the one who, who has died so that we can live. Who experienced a moment of absolute zero peace so that we could have peace, both now and for eternity. This morning, I want us to head to the table and I want us to contemplate the question. Like, will we be like the shepherds who received the message and couldn't contain it? Or will we remain quiet? Will we remain quiet this Christmas season about, about the God who came to be love so that we can know love and be loved to those around us? So I wanna invite us to stand I'm trying to stand as we head to the table this morning. I'm gonna pray for us. I want us to reflect upon the significance of the shepherds. I want us to reflect upon the angel's proclamation of peace. And I want to reflect upon what that means for our declaration as followers of Jesus. And here, here's the thing. You may be here this morning and you're like, I'm ready to follow Jesus. You haven't yet declared that he is your Lord and your Savior. You haven't yet declared that the Christmas story is true. I wanna invite you to come to the the back, talk, pray with us. We'd love to talk and pray with you if that's something you wanna decide this morning. But for the rest of us, may we just reflect upon the significance of the shepherds, the angel's proclamation, and what then becomes our declaration in this Christmas season. So let me pray for us. Our Father, um, who is in heaven, holy be your name, hallowed be your name. I ask that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, I would just ask that you would give each and every person here this morning um, exactly what they need. Give them their daily bread. Father, I ask for the peace that can only come from you. The rejoicing in the joy that can only come from you in knowing you, in living for you, in living with you. And I would just ask that you would just take take my feeble words uh, and do uh, more with them 
than is possible with just my words alone. God, I believe that you're speaking and you're still speaking even right now in this moment. I believe there's people in this room that desperately need your peace, that desperately long for the peace that comes with being in Christ. Maybe a refreshing of that peace or experiencing that peace for the first time. I would, I would ask that you would come and you would give that peace. You would come by the power of your spirit in the name of Jesus and give that peace to us. May this room just be full of your peace and your joy. May it be so uh, tangible. May we be able to uh, touch and know that peace as we break the bread, as we drink the cup that represents your blood and your body. May even just this act of going to the table, this act of going uh, to you, King Jesus, refresh and renew uh, the peace that you have come to give in us. Father, I, I just pray for vulnerability, that people would really be able to, to share what it is that you're doing in, in their heart this morning. As we head to the table, may people not be confined to um, maybe just catching up on the week, but God, will you do something beyond ourselves in this time? Will you do something beyond us, Holy Spirit? King Jesus, we lift you high. We are so, so grateful to gather in your holy and awesome and precious name. And together as a whole church, we say, amen.